0: Welcome to Raising OKC Kids, Conversations with Metro Family in Oklahoma City. I'm Erin Page, and today I am joined by a certified meditation coach, author, and podcast host, Josephine Atlori, to talk about the benefits of mindfulness, as many families are feeling the chaos of the back-to-school season. Welcome, Josephine. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be
0: here. We are glad to have you. Before we get started, I want to tell our listeners a bit more about you and your story. Josephine is an expert in meditation and mindfulness, helping thousands of people overcome adversity to find joy. A graduate of the University of Chicago, Josephine coupled her consulting background with her passion for total wellness to become certified as a meditation coach and teach corporate mindfulness. Plus, her experience creating her modern-day family of seven children via in vitro fertilization, international adoption, and surrogacy inspires her work as a highly sought-after fertility and parenting mindfulness coach. She hosts the podcast Responding to Life, Talking Health, Fertility, and Parenthood, where she interviews guests on their inspiring responses to life's challenges. She's the author of Mindfulness Journal for Parents, Prompts and Practices to Stay Calm, Present, and Connected, as well as her latest book, Five-Minute Mindfulness for Pregnancy. Josephine, let's start in mom mode today. What is the key in your household with seven children to creating calm during the chaos of transitioning back to school or other stressful times?
1: Yes, that is it. It's a a great question. (laughs) One that we're, I'm sure many of your listeners are um, feeling uh, right now as we approach August. And um, for me, and what I've garnered over the years, um, so just to backtrack a little bit, I have children ages 15, 13-year-old twins, six-year-old twins, and one-year-old twins. And so I I have the perspective of having kids who are kind of in different phases of life and require different things altogether. But um, but one thing that is sort of a common theme amongst all of them is just this need for emotional and mental support as they go into transitional periods, as they go into um, new experiences, right? And so when you think about back to school, um, you go into stores and they have all the signs and what's in front of you are all the supplies, all the physical things that you actually need. Um, And that is something that can be prepared for in terms of like creating lists and like planning for days when you um, go get all the materials and all of that stuff, right? All the tangible things are easy to plan in advance. And plan into your calendar and set expectations for your kids. So there's that aspect. But then going back to what I mentioned before in terms of mental and emotional support for the kids, that's a lot harder to try to figure into the equation. But that's a huge piece of trying to calm down the chaos that you can really start to feel um, the closer and closer you get to the start of school or to the start of any. Um, big transitional uh, experience that you is looming in the distance. And so what I found at least with the teenagers, is that just uh, making mention of the fact that um, I'm available to them, that you know I understand, sort of um, just recognizing that this is a big time for them, that it's tough to go into these social situations. And that I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready and able to um, listen, to offer advice if they seek it, but just to be here for them, um, however they need. And then for the little ones, it's really more just talking through that whole experience of like, hey, okay, well, this is what we're going to expect. It'll be a new classroom. And um, you might see some of your new, uh, the old friends from last year, you might not, there might be a big mix. Um, but you know these are the things you're going to learn, and uh, you know there'll be some really great things. But if you experience like any like um, issues or problems, and I'm here for you, so they're sort of the same thing. But you're really like fleshing it out for the little ones. But at the end of all of that is really just this idea that that you're there for them in um, whatever capacity that they need. And I think knowing that. Um, can really help them. That's what I found. It really helps the kids feel like, okay, whatever happens, um, I know that I can go back home and that that's a safe space for me. And that's a place where we can figure things out. Um, And so that I feel like takes the edge off of any stress that you're feeling when there's overwhelm, when um, there's just this, chaos and this really what's happening is this um you don't know what to expect sure you go to school every year but because it's a different um grade level you may even be moving into a different school altogether if you're moving like into middle school or high school or from preschool you just don't there's so much uncertainty and that's really what creates so much stress for us in any part of our life and so um, we can't take that uncertainty away until they actually go in step into that environment and see what happens. But what we can do is to let them know that they do have scaffolding under them. So that was my long answer for you.
0: <laughs> no, that's so great. I think, um, you know, as you're talking about just being present and verbalizing that to our kids and then actually we have to actually be present to them right um i I, i'm just realizing for me i often get so caught up in making lists making sure we have the supplies does everybody have shoes that fit that i forget to take that pause and and make myself available to them to talk about those feelings um, and to remind them too that i am there and i i'm available for more than just the buying the shoes, (laughs) but for, for being there to listen to whatever they're worried about or problems that they have. So I think that's so helpful and something I know that I needed a reminder of today. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Talking about your book, The Mindfulness Journal for Parents, will you give us some examples of prompts or exercises you teach in your book to help families learn how to build mindfulness into our everyday lives. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I think what would be helpful is just to just give a basic definition of mindfulness. Often people associate it with meditation and while meditation is one of the modalities of mindfulness, there that's not all that it is so if you just think very basically mindfulness is just awareness and presence as you just mentioned um and that if you think about it like that mindfulness can be um, used in so many aspects of your life because it's just rooting into being in that moment being present being focused and grounded so that you can uh, one example is if for parenting is using mindfulness to be uh, present to your children when they're speaking to you, right? You're really conscious of what they're saying versus hearing the start of their conversation and then all of a sudden just creating the um, situation in your head and then creating your own uh, solution without really listening to what they're saying in terms of their emotions about the experience, about um, what truly happened, um, perhaps even hearing them problem solve themselves, you know, allowing that to happen. Instead, you're allowing just ego and um, sort of like your own expectations to just come into play. So with mindful parenting, we're really just taking that pause, like you said, and um, so that we can just really take stock of what's happening. And so the best way you ask for an example of an exercise is to hit the pause button. And I like doing that through breathing exercises, for example, because uh, when you pause and you take a breath, you're offering yourself a moment of clarity and it serves kind of many purposes. Um, it kind of slows things down because we're probably moving at really a fast rate. We're probably multitasking, or probably doing so many things at once. But if you just hit the pause button and take a deep breath, then all of that stops, and um, and then at the same time, you're giving yourself um, you like. Um, you're calming your brain down, really. I'm trying not to get into the science behind it, but really that's what's happening because you're sending a signal to your brain that um, you're no longer sort of like stressed out if you happen to be stressed out um, or uh, anxious or anything like that. Instead, you're, that slow and deep breath is that signal to your brain that, hey, you know what? I am calm. And so I can stop sending out the hormones that are um, amping me up. Instead, I can send out the hormones that will calm me down and will help me to feel present. And so when you take that pause, then you can gain perspective because now you have clarity. You have this moment of like, okay, now I can, like everything has stopped and I can see what's happening. So to uh, your question, any type of breathing exercise will work for this. Um, In my book, I mentioned several different kinds because there's so many different ways to manipulate our breath. And um, this can be done as parents and it can also be done with our children. It's a great strategy to teach them um, to do it at any age that they can do at home, but also when they're at school, like if they're taking a test or if they're having um, maybe some issues with friends or some social situations and they don't know how to, like handle all of this influx of um, emotion. If they can just pause themselves and take some breaths, they can really just start to get back into their body and feel grounded. And so we can show that to them, like tell them how to do it. But at the same time, it's always better if we can just model it to them. So when we're experiencing, like if we're in carpool and we're experiencing road rage, instead of um, like getting all worked up, we can show them that like we're breathing because they're always paying attention to us no matter what age they are. They're taking these cues and they're seeing, well, okay, this is how mom and dad, this is how they're reacting to the situation. That is what's appropriate, it seems like. So like that's what I'll be doing in the future. Whether they realize that that's what's happening in their brain or not, that's um, what they're noticing. And so if we can as often as possible um, just do these things ourselves and, and really like make a point of allowing them to see this, um, it benefits everyone. And so those that's um, an example of an exercise. Another thing is expressing gratitude. It's another way of allowing us to really hit the pause button and reflect on what has happened in our day. Uh, one way to do it is at the dinner table you know, um, having, giving everyone a chance is a great way to hear about how everyone's day has gone. Uh, And if you can't get together for, for mealtime as a family, then another way to do it is at bedtime. When you're tucking everyone in, or when you're just saying goodnight to everyone, just a quick, hey, um, what are you grateful for? And it doesn't just have to be gratitude. It can also be like, what are you grateful for? As well as, was there anything in your day that wasn't so great? Um, because it doesn't always have to be positive. It can be like both things can happen in a day. Um, you know, we can be appreciative of something, but then there can also be sucky parts of the day. And I'm here for both of that, is what you're telling them. Um, so that's an example of, of like different ways of being present. And so as you can see, like there's so many different ways to be mindful. It doesn't have to just be meditation. It can be um, sort of a reflection, like a verbal reflection of gratitude, but you can even take that into like journaling where you just write it down. Um, and then it can be these like actual uh, breathing exercises. Uh, so there's so many different ways of being mindful, but I find that those applications are perhaps um, the easiest entry points if you've never done mindfulness before uh because we're always breathing so it's something that we all have to do it's just a tiny tweak and then um these are moments when we're speaking to our kids anyway so throwing in gratitude all those things um isn't such a hard thing to weave into our day
0: that's so helpful and I will completely admit that I have been skeptical of whether pausing and breathing really works. And especially through these last pandemic years, we have made a lot more use of breathing techniques in my household. My kids have kind of, whether from teachers or therapists or things we've tried at home, each kind of found their own technique that works best for them. and we really have seen as a family how it makes a huge difference uh, when we remember to do it when we take the time and pause the dangerous part is now sometimes my kids will say to me mommy you need to take a breath (laughs) (laughs) so they keep me in check too Um, but I love to the idea of how gratitude plays into mindfulness and just the general idea that the more small things we can model for our kids, whether it's breathing, whether it's gratitude, whether it's another mindfulness technique, it just kind of gives them more tools in their toolbox to figure out what works for them. And then when I think about how having those opportunities as a child, you know, what that looks like for them when they're teenagers, when they're adults, my hope is that you know, building this into families' lives will create eventually these adults who understand mindfulness, who have figured out their coping strategies, and and hopefully just make them more um, better citizens in the world and and more aware of their own mental health.
1: Yes, exactly. I know, I wish I had these tools growing up myself. Um, It would have put me ahead of the curve (laughs) in terms of, like, figuring out my life and being able to navigate all the challenges that we um, come across. But yeah, uh, introducing it into the early years is definitely beneficial. As, as you witness, I've heard that comment myself from my own kids, even as a mindfulness coach. is like, yeah, you need to take a breath.
0: <laughs> They're always, they love to point that out to me, <laughs> right? <laughs> let have model this. Now let me show you what I know and tell you what you need to do. Um, which is a really great example of how building mindfulness into our family life and into parenting can strengthen our relationships with our kids. Um, you know, I love that. I don't always love it in the moment, but in general, I love that my kids will call me out on something like that and, and remind me of what I know to be true. Um, so what are some other ways that building mindfulness into our homes can really strengthen those relationships with our kids?
1: Yeah, no, that's, that is a great question. And so in that example that you brought up, um, what was happening there is this moment of awareness, right? They, um, they were listening, they were really seeing what was happening in the situation. And then they be, like they tapped into their understanding of um, the tools that are available to them. And that's why they suggested it to you, right? That's why my kids suggested it to me. Uh, and so that's really that's really the benefit of building mindfulness into our relationships uh, into our lives into our personal lives as adults so that we can strengthen our relationship with kids because, imagine now if you have this awareness um, as a parent and you're using it for when you're communicating with them and when you're interacting with them. And it goes back to that point in the beginning of like, you know, we have all these preconceived ideas and solutions and expectations for our kids, but that can serve as, and it's great to have them. We certainly need to have certain Um, levels of expectations for our kids and rules and all these things. Um, But it's when you're interacting with them that there's a a little, uh, it benefits us to have this a bit of flexibility and understanding um, and awareness so that we can have compassion, so that we can have empathy for how they are experiencing life because it's not um, not necessarily how we're experiencing it. And so having that openness and that flexibility to really understand where they're coming from can help them feel seen and heard. And when a child feels that, like it really changes the game. It changes your relationship with them because now it's not just, oh, well, you know, mom is just going to tell me X, Y, Z, right? She's just going to, Like, scold me about this, or she's just going to give me her way of doing things. And then uh, they're not going to feel like they have someone who's kind of on their side. It's just someone who's sort of setting the parameters for them, and that's kind of it. But when you can feel like you are appreciated as a unique individual and you are being seen as that and you're being heard in that capacity, um, you feel safer. You feel like you can share more because uh, that's, that, that's what's happening in that moment. And that just changes the relationship altogether, right? doesn't mean that you're not like this parental role and you're just friends. Um, it's just a different way of sort of interacting with one another now. You can still set those rules you can still have those expectations of what you need your child to do Um, but now it's a different understanding that you have between each other and that just breeds um, like a richer uh, relationship I feel like with your kids
0: and hopefully sets them up for success in the long term too I have to remind myself of that a lot like if I'm just dictating everything my kids do across the board and not giving them any opportunities for flexibility or to push back, um, then what does that look like when they're adults? You know, I want them mm. to be people out in the world who um, are making their own decisions, who know how to make good decisions, or who know how to fight for you know what's good and right. Um, but the painful part is to raise those kinds of kids. I have to let them do some of that at home. They have to practice on me. Um, so that's such a good reminder um, that it really can enrich those relationships with our kids so much. Um, so thank you for that. That's so helpful. Um, well, I feel like I'm admitting all of my failures today, but that's okay. Um, i'm I'm good with that. Um, one of the other things I really struggle with, even knowing that you know I need to stop and take a breath, even when my kids remind me is staying, being able to stay calm when my kids' emotions are running really high. And then you know, generally what happens is we both are, we just exacerbate each other. And so then we both explode. So how can we as parents, how do we force ourselves to stop and, and pause and take that breath? Um, so that we can stay cool when interacting with our kids during those high stress situations.
1: I'll make my own admission here of guilt: is that um, I myself, even as like a trained meditation um, teacher, have those same moments with my kids where I'll just lose it. It just is like it just hit a breaking point. Um, But the beauty of all this is that, and it sounds like with yourself, is that we do still have this awareness. So we're seeing this happen. um, And then it just comes down to like making that choice of, well, in the heat of the moment, what should I be doing? So one technique that I have found um, or that I have sort of created um, a way for people to remember are the four P's. And we've already talked about two of them. So it's um, first was pause and then we take perspective and then we can pivot and then move into presence. And so the pause can be something like that, um, that breathing technique. So your child is freaking out, okay? And you can feel yourself getting pulled into it, right? Um, whether it's at home, it's worse if it's in public <laughs> and you're you just, they're, they're just going, right? And you kind of are like getting upset yourself, but you're also like getting pulled into it and you don't know what to do. So in that moment, the best thing that you can do is just take some deep breaths because you need to stop that sort of response, that hormonal response that's happening in your body, which is that you feel like like your life is in danger, like you're being attacked, right? because of all these emotions that are coming at you. And that's the way the body and the mind are perceiving it. And so um, what you need to do is to slow down that breath so it can feel, you can kind of tell your brain that, no, 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 I'm not in this sort of situation, I'm actually calm. And, and then what happens, as we talked about before, is that it will propagate that feeling of calmness. And so that in that moment, as your child is really like melting down, you yourself are not being pulled into it. You yourself are just, you're breathing and you're remaining calm. And then what happens there is that you're gaining perspective after you have these moments of where you can finally like feel like you're calm and you're not like, sweating, your heart isn't racing, like all the physical signs of moving into a fight or flight state. Um, now you are in a calmer state and this is where you can gain that clarity I was mentioning and that perspective. And now you can kind of start to like really understand and listen to them. And here, like they're probably going on, it depends on how old they are. If they're just like too little, they're just crying about it. But as they get a little bit older, they start talking and sort of now, or maybe not even crying, but just maybe shouting about the whole thing. Um, And so, and um, so what happens there is that, um, you can gain this, this perspective and see where they're coming from. Um, and then what you need to do is pivot. And so when you're pivoting, you can, instead of moving into the direction, this is what I was talking about with the choice, instead of moving into the direction of where you were probably headed, where you were probably going to maybe yell or um, come up with your own solutions, now you can make that choice and pivot into a, a different path, like a path that's um, based off of this clarity that you now have about what's really happening in the situation. Maybe that was your chance to um, to just really hear them. And so then the last piece is presence. And so you now you're really just in this moment, right You've created this calm for yourself. you're, you're really listening, you're consciously being there, you're aware of the situation. Um, so now you're grounded in that moment. And so then now you can interact with that person. Hopefully they have like calmed down and if they haven't, then this is your chance to sort of help them along with that or else, if nothing else, if they're just really just um, over the top, um, you can just be there for them, offering them hugs, letting them, if they're older, letting them um, just express whatever they need to get off their chest. But here you've let go of sort of, all of those things that you normally would do, all of the um, solutions that you want to offer right away without even listening. And you're just there in that moment um, with your child without you yourself being too sort of entangled in the emotional frenzy.
0: That is so helpful. I love that there's a four-step process um, because that's something I can remember. I can already tell I'm going to be watching this back and taking notes. And it helps me feel too, like, you know, a lot of times I can feel myself in those situations, just like you said, where um, they're amped up. And so now I'm amped up. And I feel like if I miss that first opportunity to take a breath, then like all is lost. There's no coming back from the situation. But having a process and kind of knowing what my end result is, I think will help me feel like at any point in that difficult situation, I know how to kind of pull myself back and and move myself onto the path I want to be on instead of always resorting to yelling or even just not being the, the sense of calm that my kids need in a difficult situation. So thank you. I can already tell you I'm gonna be using that Oh. Um. <laughs> well, then one other P to go with that is practice. Like yeah. this
1: happens so fast; those four P's just happen so fast. Because, as I'm sure you're aware, like when you're in the heat of the moment, things are just moving at this really fast pace, and so it really takes practice to like go through all of that um, to figure things
0: out. Yeah, so. that's a very important piece. So that when we do get in those high stress situations, it's more natural for our body to react the way we want it to. Tell us more about consciously connecting with our kids. I know this is really tied to a lot of the things that you've talked about already, but tell us more about what that specific term means and how we can really make it a priority. Yeah. So I,
1: you know, I've um, talked about it a lot already about letting go of um, like your ego, sort of how you want things to really happen and how you expect um your child to listen to you and follow your orders and just basically how life is supposed to unfold um and instead of sort of operating from that vantage point instead you are allowing life to unfold sort of organically as um based off of how your child is experiencing their situation and their life. And it goes back to that idea of um, being able to be present for them, being able to really uh, be aware of yourself, but also the understanding of where they're coming from. Um, and so that's really what conscious like parenting, sort of like a brief overview is all about. Um, and the way, to, the way to apply that um, as we head into like this new school year and to make it a priority is really just to, just to really be aware of um, your interactions. And so having that awareness and then you don't have to do anything about it at first. I think really just practicing being aware is super helpful. Because if you don't see it happening, if that doesn't even like come across to you as like, this is what's happening in life, then there's nothing you can do about it, right? Because you don't realize that's how you're operating. So I think the very first step is for parents, myself included, to like, just take these steps to really be mindful in your day, be aware of what's happening in life. And it can be something as like every day, you just make a point of, having a couple minutes of awareness. So that can be something like where you put your phone down, put it on silence, step away from the computer, and um, just be aware of something like your breath. And so doing a breathing exercise, and you're just being aware of how the breath is moving in and out of your body. And this is great because doing double duty, you're practicing awareness of how Things are moving in your body but you're also calming yourself down if you're in a stressful situation another way of doing this would be to step outside um, and to take notice of like five things this is something you could do every morning when you wake up before you rush out of bed before you grab your phone is just to sit up in bed and then just notice five things um it could be five the same five things over and over again but they may look different to you that day or um It can be like noticing something with your five senses, but it's really just taking a moment to be aware. And then what happens there is that then you can start to practice this with your kiddos, Um, like being aware of something they're saying. So again, like perhaps putting the phone down, perhaps not multitasking um, and just allowing that one minute. So you set a timer in your mind or on your phone or whatever, a couple minutes where you're just there with them, practicing being present with them. And the beauty of this is the more you do it every day, even just one um, mindfulness exercise a day, um, it starts to, you start to get used to it. And then it starts to happen just kind of like, automatically you'll start to feel like you're more present throughout the day. And then this will trickle over into, um, into just parenting hopefully then, you know, you pivot over into making your exercise to be more with the kiddos during the school year. And slowly, you'll start to uh, utilize like this conscious parenting sort of mentality, because you are being mindful of yourself, you're being mindful that, okay, this is what I need to do with my kiddos, this is how I can do it. Um, And then it just, starts to become a habit, it starts to become a way of, um, a way of life for you, but it all takes practice, and the best way, as I mentioned, is to do it first, just for yourself, outside of parenting, so that you can get the hang of it.
0: I think it's so helpful, Um that you keep talking about practicing because um, I think it's important. I know it's important for me. I think it's important for other parents to know that a lot of these techniques that you're talking about are not things that we just know how to do. They are things that we have to learn and we have to be patient with ourselves in the process of learning. Um, Let's talk about self-care, especially during times of year where we're busy as a family, where our kids are busy it's hard for us to step away from all of that, step away from taking care of everybody else to practice self-care for ourselves. So how do you make self-care a priority in your life and what advice can you share for other parents?
1: Yes, no, this is a really hot topic. Um, I, you know, my biggest piece of advice for self-care is to create a shift in in your perspective, right? So if you view self-care as something that's like, lower in your priority list, um, if you view it as something that's like borderline selfish, uh, then it's not something that you feel like you can do, right? Because as parents, we're constantly putting our kids first, um, you know, their needs because we're the caregivers. But if you shift your perspective, and then you look at self-care as something that doesn't just benefit you, um, but as it benefits you that uh, sort of trickles out to the rest of your family because if you are able to be sort of like be calm and centered and aware then they will feel the impacts of that um, in their in their interactions with you and how they're sort of Um, taking note of you right as they see you modeling behaviors and things like that and so um that is that is one way to allow yourself to um think of self-care as something that's important as a priority and higher up on that list because it doesn't just affect you it affects everyone else Um, and so one you know one way of like sort of implementing this into your own life so that it doesn't create much stress is just again to start off small big proponent of starting small when you're trying to incorporate new things into your life Um, so back to like you know those practicing awareness and mindfulness that we just talked about you would do the same thing with self-care so it would be something like just a couple minutes of, of your day and really finding moments where um it won't create that much stress for you So say if you're already, an an example would be like right after you drop off the kids or um, if you're an early riser, right? If you're an early riser, then you have just maybe wake up a few minutes extra to take that, um, to start off your morning like on the right foot. And so that way, like that morning rush in the beginning before school starts can be a little less stressful for you because you've taken a moment to ground yourself and, do something that fills you up. Um, but if you're not a morning person, don't try to force things. Like I tried to do that long time ago, and it was like, oh, this is a disaster. This is making me more stressed out. Um, instead, I'm more of a night person. So then, start off like doing self care at, at night. Like maybe once the kids are asleep, asleep instead of heading to the television or um, going on scrolling on your phone take a few minutes to, um, once the, like the kids have settled, to give yourself like me time. And that can be something, you know, as simple as like, say, practicing the deep breath, or it could be um, opening up a book because they haven't had a chance to open up a book in forever. It can be like stretching or going for a walk, just something that fills you up and gives you a moment of like, almost like release, um, and something that, feels like you're caring for yourself. And if it is television, I mean, that is also on my list of self-care sort of tools, um, then that's what it is, right? Uh, So that's how I would incorporate into life and that's how I would um, turn it from something that I feel is like not a priority into something that is a priority.
0: That perspective shift is so helpful. So I love that. That's kind of where we, we all have to start. And I think too, oftentimes when we think of self-care, we think, oh, I've got to schedule, you know, an hour, two hours. Um, so I love that you're saying we can just take a few minutes, even if it's just five minutes, 10 minutes, um, that feels so much more doable, I think, especially in this season of life. Josephine, as we close out our conversation today, what is your top piece of advice, the number one thing you want parents to remember that will help us cultivate peace in our homes this school year?
1: Great question. I mean, so many, but I feel like um, one thing that we can try to remember this year is to make time to uh, show up for yourself authentically um for yourself but then also extending that out to your loved ones um reminding them as well like your kiddos as they head into school to show up for themselves um and that means taking those moments of self-care taking uh, these opportunities to figure out like what can i put in my toolkit for um navigating challenges for um, helping me feel um better about myself and about um like what I'm experiencing and, um, and showering yourself with like love and compassion um, because, you know, we always give that to other people, but it's something that we sort of forget to give to ourselves. And we're, when we're able to do this for ourselves, then um, it just helps us in our overall interactions with other people, so showing up for yourself authentically, showing love and compassion to yourself and uh, sort of reminding that modeling that to your own kids.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for all of your incredible advice today, Josephine. I will be practicing the four Ps and I feel empowered to move into the school year with less stress and more intentionality in my parenting. So thank you.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It's so great speaking with you.
0: It was so great to have you. For our listeners, find more presentations by nationally renowned parenting experts like Josephine through membership and the Modern Art of Parenting. Visit modernartofparenting.com to learn more about memberships, which are just $19 a month or $199 for the year with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Thanks everyone for listening. Join us next time on Raising OKC Kids.